everyone. Welcome to episode 55 of Her Story. This is your host, Cassidy Reed, and today my guest is Dr. Nicole Roebuck. Nicole is the director of the world-famed Tiger Marching Band of Gramley State University. In this episode, Nicole and I talk about her life and aspirations growing up, her collegiate experiences, marching band, representation, breaking down barriers, performing for Beyonce, casual, right? and leaving a legacy. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to like and share with your friends. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, feel free to send your bio to musicherstorypod at gmail.com, and I will see you next Monday. afternoon. My name is Dr. Nicole Roebuck and I am chair of the music department and director of bands at Gramlin State University. Amazing. I'm so happy you're here. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about some of your early experiences in music. So what got you started with music in the first place? I started playing the piano around third grade. That was uh, my first instrument and I played piano um, actually all the way through high school. But somewhere down the line in sixth grade, when I started on clarinet, I just found a new love for uh, the clarinet. So I continued to play on the clarinet, continued on piano, and then I decided uh, when I got to Gremlin, I wanted to major in music education. And, uh, you know, a little funny story, I came to Gremlin with um, the highest expectation of majoring on both instruments. However, when I got into my sophomore year, I realized that uh, I would have to make a decision um, to either major on piano or clarinet. So I chose the clarinet. Wow. Yeah. So choosing the clarinet. So what kind of inspired you to pursue music professionally? I know you said you majored in music education, but what um, kind of led you to that decision? Well, I always had a love for, for music. And even when trying to decide what I wanted to major in in school, I just remember my mom giving me, uh, I think the best advice that she could possibly ever give me before coming to college. And she told me to choose a major where you feel like you could do it for a lifetime and you don't feel like you will be going to work. Mm -hmm. And even though we work hard with everything that we're doing, I, you know, I love my students and the relationships that I have with them so that when I come to work every day, it doesn't feel like work because I love what I do. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I actually had the same sort of process when I decided to major in music ed too. And being a music educator now, I don't feel like I'm working every day. I'm like, wow, I'm getting paid to do this. This is so much fun. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So you said you you actually attended Grand Lake State University um, for music ed. What was that experience like um, being there as a student and then now as, you know, the director of bands and of music as well? Well, my experience at Gremlin was, you know, my undergrad experience was, was awesome. Um, my, all of my professors were good, even the ones that were a little hard, uh, had an awesome time in undergrad, but I fell in love with Gremlin State University as, as a young child, um, around the age of seven or eight, I would come to high school band camp. At the time, my uncle Joe was assistant director of bands. 
So I would spend summers with him and, and my aunt in Gramlin and my mom would always send me to Twirl a Baton. And that wasn't <laughs> anything that I was really interested in doing. So I remember this one summer, uh, I, I told my uncle, I said, you know, I really don't want to twirl a baton. And he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want an instrument. And he said, well, you're not quite old enough for an instrument yet, but when you are, I'll get you your first instrument. Well, when he said instrument, meaning my first band instrument. So uh, when I got to sixth grade, got a clarinet and um, that was just, my, you know, like I said, that's how I fell in love with grandma and being around my uncle and being around the marching band. And, you know, he would always tell me, sit on the bottom of the ladder and uh, make sure that Uncle Joe does not fall off. And <laughs> didn't know at that time that that little girl sitting on the bottom of the ladder would have such an impact, you know, on my life that one day I would, you know, be the director of band. That's amazing. It, what a legacy too, um, to have that connection from such a young age with, you know, your current position now. That's amazing. And you attended there for your undergrad and then you went on to get your master's and then ultimately your doctorate. So can you talk a little bit about what kind of the experiences you had at Grambling and how that kind of informed your decision to go on to get your master's degree and your PhD? Well, after leaving Gramlin, uh, I was a middle school band director in Cattle Parish. Mm-hmm. And um, once uh, leaving Cattle Parish, I went to Benville Parish, which is about 45 miles away from, um, well, 45 minutes really, away from Cattle Parish. But initially, I was working on a master's in supervision and administration because I had this idea that I wanted to be become a principal one day. Mm. And I, I'll never forget... Um, there was a former music educator in um, who's well-respected and I, I don't want to call names, but <laughs> he asked me, he said, what is your ultimate goal? And I said, well, you know, I would like to go back to Gramlin one day and um, work on the, you know, work on, on the staff. And he said, well, what you need to do is uh, obviously finish this semester. And then the next semester, you need to find a school where you can get your master's in music because your undergrad and your master's they have to match if that's your goal he said and then go back and get a plus 30 in supervision administration and you'll pretty much have the best of both worlds so I, I finished that semester up in supervision administration went on to University of Louisiana at Monroe and started my um my master's in music ed and uh, from there um I went on to the University of Memphis and I got a PhD in music education. Awesome. And so when you were getting your PhD, um, what sort of like topics or research did you explore um, during your time there? Well, my uh, research, well, my actually my dissertation was sound pressure. So I did an analysis of sound pressure in the collegiate band room. And so what I did, I um, the conference that Gremlin is in is um, the, the SWAT conference. So I took bands who played on the same style. And I visited each band room of uh, schools that were in the SWAC. And I looked at the the size of the band, the acoustics in the band room, um, the size of the band room. Um, Also looked at factors of, um, you know, various instruments. So I all of that into account and I collected the sound pressure levels, looked at the peak noises, that we just experience as directors every day, even though we're doing something that we love, uh, is this love that we have for a marching band 
um, causing us to, uh, you know, have some hearing problems on down the line. Mm. And I um, found out in my research that naturally we should be wearing uh, specialized earplugs to protect our ears. Um, so that, that, was, that was my research. Uh, it was very fascinating, um, really what I found. And um, I had a, a school in our conference that I did sound pressure on and they asked maybe about a year ago, could they use that data and it helped them uh, get a band room Well, they'll get a new band room soon. Mm-hmm. So that was my research. That's awesome. And yeah, that's something that a lot of people overlook, especially marching band directors who have to rehearse indoors and things like that. So I think that's really fascinating that you explored that topic. And so you went on, you got your PhD, and then um, eventually you came back to Grambling and you are now the headband director there as of 2019. And you are the first woman in that position. And so I, I would like to talk to you about the feeling that you had when you found out that you, you know, got that job and the sort of groundbreaking moment of the fact that you, in your position, are the first to do that. Well, and, and I, I pause before I answer that question because I, I get it all the time and I always say it was, it was, and it still is just such an omen experience to uh, be able to serve as director band for, for uh, Grammar State University and, you know, and be the first female band director. Um, I, I look at it as an honor. Uh, I also look at it as a challenge. Um, any, you know, anybody that, that you're the first to, to do it, um, it, you know, it is a, a challenge, um, but I, I embrace it. And I, I, like I said, I love what I do. Um, even after it came out in the paper and it was just kind of all over social media, I still had to just sit back and pinch myself and say, is this real? <laughs> and um, I don't, I don't think it really clicked until the very first game of fall 2019. Uh, we played at the University of Louisiana at Monroe and I remember the band blocking up and we were getting ready to go into the stadium. And usually as an assistant, I'm, you know, I was always with the woodwinds uh, and, uh, and it was just a different feeling to be leading the band in. And uh, I just remember just saying to myself, wow, like this is real, this is real. So that, that's a moment that I will always remember. Yeah, that's so amazing. And, you know, being a, a woman and being successful in, university level and in the band world is very rare and far and few between. And we talk about this issue a lot on the podcast about women representation in our field, particularly in band, because it is very male dominated, um, especially marching band. And so can you talk a little bit about the importance of representation in the band world and at the university level, um, especially with marching band? Well, I think it's it's very important, not only just for, for marching band, but um, you know any any position that we as females aspire to um, have. I think is very important to have um, that representation. And by our profession being um, male dominant, I'm happy that I'm in a position to inspire not only female music majors at Gramlin. But um, you know, other female majors at, at the other universities. Um, I, I just experienced fall 19 where young ladies from other bands 
would come over, you know, after the game, if they could, you know, come get close to our buses. And, and, and they would say, well, we just wanted to meet you. And I look at myself as, you know, I'm, I'm a band director and that impact just to be the first female band director, you know, it, it's my prayer daily that I can continue to, uh, you know, set an example and, and, and be that role model for young ladies who are majoring in music and hopefully something that I do or that I say, you know, they can take it from me and become better in their careers to come. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned that phrase, um, role model for others, but did you growing up have any women in the profession or in your life that kind of inspired and motivated you to succeed? Well, I always say my mom was my number one role model. Um, she always instilled me, you know, just just discipline and dedication and, and just just hard work because uh, that was just her personality. And and so I took on a lot of characteristics from my mom. She was not in the, in the music profession, but I, I do have some um, some ladies who were in the music profession that impacted my life, like my first um, piano teacher. Uh, Miss Patricia Britton Hall, and then I had uh, Miss uh, Linda Baker. They were not only, you know, private teachers, but they were in music ed as well. So mm -hmm. I looked up to them as, as role models and um, just getting that feedback from them to continue to uh, push and practice and just, you know, be the best that you can be. Uh, and so I look at it now as some Body poured into me. It is my job to now pour into other music majors to help them become the best music educator that they can become. Yeah, it's excellent. And, you know, not only have you become, you know, semi-famous in your position, but the marching band um, at Grambling State University has, you know, become really well known globally. And so you had a performance in April, 2019 for Beyonce and Adidas. So can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like? Oh, wow. Beyonce that, casual, you know. <laughs> that experience was uh, like none other. I, I remember us receiving the call and, you know, it, and it's not unusual for us to receive calls like that, but, um, you know, we just wanted to make sure we was like, what, Beyonce? And so we were excited and then we were told, um, you know, not to tell the kids um, and this is what they wanted. So for our students, usually when we are practicing or, you know, uh, getting ready for a performance, mm -hmm. um, I would say 97% of the time, they know exactly like if it's a game or if we're going, you know, here to do a performance, but we couldn't tell them. <laughs> and all they, now all they knew, they was like, okay, we're coming to practice. What are we doing? And it wasn't like a normal practice because usually we come in and we say, hey, this is the set for this week. This is what we're doing. And, you know, we make adjustments throughout the week and they're used to that. But when we were getting ready for the Beyonce performance, we were working directly with her, um, her music director and we would record something and we would send it to him. And I guess the team would get together and, and listen to it. They would provide us feedback and they would make suggestions. Well, can you change this? Like, okay. So we went back and changed it. So it was a lot of changing rapidly. And the kids were like, what are we doing? Why are we changing? <laughs> you know, why are we changing this? We've been playing it like this all year. Why are we changing it? So that was different for them. 
they got on the plane. We were going to LA and all they knew we were going to LA. They said, okay, well, what is this? And they did not know until moments before. And I would say, when I say moments, maybe about an hour before. Wow. <laughs> what we were doing, it was like, okay. And then finally her music director came out and um, explained to the kids, you know, why they were here, what they would be doing. He said, you guys will be performing for my boss today. And our kids responded, okay, well, that's fine. He said, well, you're, you're not curious to know who my boss is? And they said, well, who is your boss? And he said, Beyonce. <laughs> and the kids got silent. And they all started looking at the directors like, are you serious? Like, yeah, this is real. The, we didn't know, and the kids did not know that we would actually get a chance to meet her. So we were, behind, we were backstage waiting for our, our turn to perform. And she just casually walked in the room and she said, oh, hi, how's everybody doing? And everybody's in awe, like, this is Beyonce. So she took pictures with the kids and it was just awesome. And she was so down to earth. The kids did their performance. We were marching out. Her manager comes behind the band, finds one of the directors and says, Beyonce wants the band to come back in and enjoy the, the rest of the event. So after we put our instruments on the bus, Went back in, they got a chance to actually dance with Beyonce, Jay-Z. Wow. I mean, it was just awesome. It was just, I, you know, it's just a, a lifetime experience. Yeah, that's so amazing. Wow, what an incredible experience too for them. And that's so funny. They didn't know until an hour before and I would have been freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. And so, you know, we're talking about you know, you as a director and, and your interactions with your, your kids and everything. So how is your teaching philosophy from, you know, your time in college kind of had a little bit of a trajectory now into your professional life? So what things have you kind of carried over from what you've learned into what you're doing now and what things have changed? Well, and I guess my, and, and I tell my students, my music ed majors all the time that your, your teaching philosophy you know, it, you, this is your foundation, but mm -hmm. as you evolve in your career, it's going to change. Yeah. And I can remember when I first started teaching, you know, I, I was a, a huge uh, <laughs> admirer of uh, B.F. Skinner, you know, the reinforcement theory. I felt like you do it, reinforce it, do it over and over and over. They'll get it right. And as I started, you know, teaching and, 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 um, forming my my teaching style you know I learned that sometimes just because they do it over and over we could be doing it the wrong way or mm -hmm. I can go back and regroup and present the same information in a different way so I've I found that to be um, helpful throughout my career as I, you know as I've been teaching and actually with each um, with each position um, my teaching style or my philosophy, um, you know, it changes. And um, even as being the, the director of bands, that's just like this, the whole pandemic and, and, and COVID, it changed a lot, like how I approach um, my students. Mm -hmm. I always want to know how they're doing, um, you know, pretty much what's going on in their life because that helps me to assess what kind of audience I'm going to have for, for that particular day. And with, you know, with college uh, students, it's very important because a lot of them, they're their first time away from home 
or let's say if they're a senior, they're trying to graduate, they deal with a lot outside of the pressure of being the best, uh, you know, bandsman that they could possibly be. But with the, with the pandemic, I really had to um, just take a, a step back and, and assess their mental capacity really every day because the, the, the pandemic just put such a strain on um, just everybody in, you know, in general. But for students, it was just kind of hard for them to process the whole isolation. Um, the band was broken down into four different groups. They are used to being in the band room together. Mm-hmm. So just that bond between each other and that bond between each director, it was a little different. So it took the kids a while to process, how do we stay isolated, but still function as a unit? Yeah. And that's, that's so true. I feel like a lot of programs are dealing with that right now. I mean, myself, my kids are all divided up into, into different groups right now, because I teach middle school and high school band. And I, I definitely feel that, that isolation piece, even just in the classroom with being in smaller groups like that, it does have a, an effect on the morale of the group and um, how everybody's approaching everything in a rehearsal. That's so true. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're, you kind of put yourself into my next question and it was about the pandemic and COVID. So what are all of you doing right now, you know, in your, in your teaching of students and then also as a director of bands, what's going on currently? Well, actually, currently, we ended the semester early. Um, mm-hmm. Our kids did not have um, the various breaks that we usually have in the spring semester. We started early. So graduation was last week. And we usually don't finish until maybe around the third week in May. So we're mm-hmm. out um, early. So the whole you know, plan from administration was to make sure that they, once the kids got on campus, they stayed on campus and did not leave for, you know, the various breaks and then come back. Mm -hmm. So I, um, you know, I think that was a a great decision for uh, administration to have that plan into place. And it allowed the kids to stay, finish the semester and then go home early. Yeah. And, and you had talked about, um, what the marching band is do, was doing um, during the time of the pandemic, but what about your other classes? Um, were you teaching virtually at all? And how was that experience for you? We, now we did have some classes that were uh, virtual mm-hmm. and, and uh, we had a few classes that were, uh, were hybrid. And that the whole teaching virtually um, is, a, is, is a different, animal within itself, uh, especially with, and as, as you very well know, especially when it comes to music classes. And we're just used to that, that, that one on that, that bond with the students. And it's kind of hard, especially I, I use the example, like an applied class. It's, I can tell you what you're doing wrong, but if you're in my studio, then it, I can fix it a little bit better than trying to tell you over the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we had some, um, we made some adjustments. Uh, we made it through the fall and the spring. Um, you know, people always ask now, would you prefer virtual or face-to-face? And as a music educator, I prefer face-to-face. Yeah. But, uh, you know, <laughs> anything that can keep the students safe and, and keep my team safe, I'm, I'm all for it. So we made the adjustments and um, had, we had some success with the virtual. It was just, um, 
just learning how to um, teach the music classes uh, virtu- virtually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a big adjustment and it, it takes a while. I feel like I just got into the routine of doing something one way and then something changes and then I have to <laughs> readjust right. uh, for sure. Um, but that's, that's good. That's a really positive thing that you were able to uh, figure out how to get around those hurdles. And so I think we're now kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with this whole situation with the pandemic and COVID and everything. And so what are your hopes for, you know, your professional life and your program uh, post COVID? Well, my hopes are that we can go back to uh, as close to normal as possible. Um, I know, you know, in the ideal world, I would say back to normal, but I know with everything that's going on, um, what we used to know as normal is no longer. So as close to normal as possible, um, just the kids being able to gather in the band room all together. Um, yeah. My kids this semester, they got tested twice a week for COVID. Um, staff got tested twice a week. And I just remember at the end of the semester, they all had this look on their on their face and we were outside because even though we were practicing four different groups, there was a point where we were bringing everybody together outside and we had you know contact limits like everybody else. So we couldn't practice as long as we were um, used to practicing. So, you know, that was a... An issue within itself, not being able to, you know, have the whole unit together um, to to fix everything that you needed to fix. But I just remember going outside one day, they all had this like look on of like, I'm just so drained on their face. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking um, the drum major, you know, I'm like, okay, are you guys okay today? And, and so I got the mic and I started talking to the band. And um, I just remember one individual saying, you know, they asked permission to speak and they just said, Doc, we're tired. We just try to get our nose swabbed twice a week. It's just mentally draining. And so I had to, at that moment, take another step back and pretty much take my band director hat off and say, you know what? Getting your nose swabbed twice a week, it is draining because we were doing the same thing. But as an educator, you're always looking at what you have to accomplish. What are my, my goals and objectives for, for now? Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes we're so focused on the goal that um, you miss some of what's going on uh, individually with some students. So, uh, you know, it, it's very important as educators that you always, you're always aware. And uh, if you don't know what's going on, you know, like I had to do, just ask. And, then, and that's what, it just said they were just strained. And I, I could understand that. And so I had to give another, I call it another speech to uh, get them to, you know, press a little harder and see see it through to the end of the semester. And, and, and they did, but uh, that was just, um, it was draining for them. So I'm, my prayer is that we can go back to being in the band room together, um, you know, our normal practice schedule and, and how we do things and that we'll have a, a you know, a good travel season, a, a good football season. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very optimistic about uh, what's going to happen in August. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for 
as, as close to normal as possible, like you said, because it's not going to be completely normal, but if we can get close to there, that would be awesome. Right. Yeah. And so I guess my last question for you is, you know, being a, a woman, being a band director, being the first at your university. And we, we talked a little bit about um, your experiences with that. Reflecting on your life in, in, in your profession, has anyone given you any sort of piece of advice growing up or in the professional world that's kind of stuck with you and um, has motivated you to just keep going? I think the best piece of advice that I've gotten in my professional life, which pretty much rolls over into my personal life, mm-hmm. I was told to always be the best version of you that you can possibly be. Don't ever try to be anyone else and do it your way. And even though doing it your way, everybody might not like the way you're doing it, but just make sure that you're firm, you're fair, and you do it your way. And I think that's the best piece of advice um, along with being, you know, make sure that you're competent and confident. And I think that's the best piece of advice that I've, that I've gotten professionally and personally. Yeah, that's excellent. Nicole, I want to thank you so much for um, giving us your time and sharing your experiences and uh, some of the wonderful stories you've had from your career. And yeah, I want to thank you again so much. And thank you for having me. 